everybody, it's the midweeks, and uh, we're in a very interesting dramatic time in the book of Kings. Solomon's just passed away, so his long reign, his 40-year reign, which is mostly stable with some adversaries in the background kicking around, has come to an end. And now we're going to have his son, Rehoboam, uh, take over, and we're going to endure the dividing of the kingdom here. And it's kind of a dramatic story and some good theology and some good leadership lessons in here. Anyhow, uh, let's get into this. Chapter 12, starting verse 1 of the book of Kings. Rehoboam sent, went to Shechem, for all Israel had come to Shechem to make him king. Okay, so we have this uh, crowning ceremony that's happening in Shechem. Verse 2, And as soon as Jeroboam the son of Nebat heard of it, for he was still in Egypt, where he had fled from King Solomon, then Jeroboam returned from Egypt. And they sent and called him, and Jeroboam and all the assembly of Israel came and said to Rehoboam, Your father made our yoke heavy. Now therefore lighten the hard service of your father and his heavy yoke on us, and we will serve you. He said to them, Go away three days, then come again to me. So the people went away. So it's a very interesting uh, situation here. We have Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, and we have Jeroboam, who has been hiding from Solomon, but has that prophetic word about becoming a king over uh, ten twelfths of Israel. And so you have these two people who both have a destiny to be a king uh, underneath a prophetic word about the divided kingdom happening. And so Jeroboam comes back. He's been in hiding. He's been in exile. He comes back, and he's a part of this crowd I don't really know if I get a sense that he's leading the crowd, but he's definitely in the crowd. Um, as they come to the king, the king's had his inauguration, and the people call him and make a request. And essentially what the request is, is that they're looking for some tax relief. And this would often happen when a new king or a new emperor would come into power. He would often help solidify his reign by being very generous in the first little bit and then if he had problems he could be a little bit more harsh later but he, you know starting off by winning the people's hearts with his generosity and his kindness maybe throw some games maybe have some entertainment stuff like that and so the people come and they're looking for tax relief they've been spending all these years that solomon's been alive building things for him there's been non-stop building projects for uh, decades and now they're looking for a break they say hey can we stop building stuff for a bit and enjoy all this blessing from the Lord and so Rehoboam sends them away and then he's going to go and consult some counselors and this is a good thing but who he listens to is the problem verse 6 then King Rehoboam took counsel with the old men who had stood before Solomon his father while he was yet alive saying how do you advise me to answer this people and they said to him if you will be a servant to this people today and serve them and speak good words to them that when you answer them, then they will be your servants forever. So they're right. If they won his, if he won their hearts right off the bat, there would be goodwill. There'd be like trust dollars in the bank for a long time to afterwards. Verse eight. But he abandoned the counsel of the old men, gave him, and took counsel with the young men who had grown up with him and stood before him. And he said to them, What do you advise that we answer this people who have said to me, Lighten the yoke of your father? that your fathers put on us and the young men who had grown up with him said to him thus shall you speak to this people who said to you your father made our yoke heavy but you lighten it for us and thus shall you say to them my little finger is thicker than my father's thighs and now whereas my father laid on you a heavy yoke i will add to your yoke my father disciplined you with whips but i will discipline you with scorpions so the old men have the right counsel the young men seem to be stuck 
in a place of having something to prove. And you could see that Rehoboam, as the son of the greatest king who's ever lived, the wisest man who's ever lived, might feel like he has to prove himself and that he's in competition with his father. So instead of listening to wisdom from the old men that would remind him of his father's reign, he wants to establish himself, perhaps, by listening to his own counselors and doing something to make a name for himself. So verse 12, so Jeroboam and all the people came to Roboam on the third day and said to him, Come to, as the king had said, come to me again on the third day. And the king answered the people harshly and forsaking the counsel that the old men had given him. He spoke to them according to the counsel of the young man, saying, My father made your yoke heavy, but I will add to your yoke. My father disciplined you with whips, but I will discipline you with scorpions. So the king did not listen to the people, for it was a turn of affairs brought about by the Lord that he might fulfill his word, which the Lord spoke by Ahijah the Shilonite to Jeroboam the son of Nabat. So Rehoboam goes with the foolish counsel, and the prophet author decides to pause here to let us know that this was under God's sovereignty. God had prophesied that there would be a dividing of the kingdom, and he brings it about by having the king make a foolish decision, by having the king listen to the wrong counselors. It's totally Rehoboam's fault, and it's totally the will of the Lord that he had for, uh, foreknown and forespoken through Ahijah. And so we see some of the theology of this book. God is ruling over the kings, and he rules over the kings sometimes by ruling through them. By letting them sin and letting them do things, they bring about the, their own discipline on themselves. They bring about God's discipline that he promised because of Solomon's deeds through Rehoboam's own foolishness. One of the things it sounds like uh, in Ezekiel people do is they read stories like this and they say, See, we're cursed. We can't ever be blessed because the sins of previous kings have cursed us and brought about these turn of events. And I think they had this uh, saying, you know, the fathers ate sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. They're trying to blame their problems on the previous generations. But God doesn't really have it. He always says, you know, the soul that sins will die and if you're righteous, you'll be blessed for it. And if you're wicked, you'll suffer the consequences here. And what we see is how God um, works through this situation here is, yes, he told Solomon there would be a divided kingdom. But Rehoboam brings it about by his own choices. This is not Solomon's fault on a human uh, plane. This is Rehoboam's fault. But in God's sovereignty, the consequences he had promised and prophesied come about just according to his word. Verse 16. When all Israel saw that the king did not listen to them, the people answered the king, What portion do we have in David? We have no inheritance in the son of Jesse. To your tents, O Israel, look now to your own house, David. So Israel went to their tents. But Rehoboam reigned over the people of Israel who lived in the cities of Judah. So there we have, this is the, the separation. The people don't want the king, and so they rebel just by leaving. It's not a war. They just walk off. Rehoboam still has his city. He still has the area of Judah. But everybody else just goes home. Verse 18, Then King Rehoboam sent Adoram, who was taskmaster over the forced labor, and all Israel stoned him to death with stones. And King Rehoboam hurried to mount his chariot and flee to Jerusalem. So Rehoboam doesn't listen to the people. He says, you know what, I'll, I'll just send out some whips and some swords. I'll send it to the police and we'll clean the, clear this thing up. But the people won't have it. And then the violence happens as they um, enforce their walkout by getting rid of the uh, 
taskmaster. And again, ultimately, this is a tax issue. They wanted tax relief. The government said, we're going to increase taxation. The people said, try it. And they walked off. Verse 19, so Israel had been in rebellion against the house of David to this day. Which again, this is one of those cases where um, the to this day doesn't even last through this entire book because in the second kings, Israel's going to be taken off into exile. And so there won't actually be a nation to be in exile. But at this point, it was true. And it's a reminder of the, the uh, material that the prophet author is using to compile his history. Verse 20, when all Israel heard that Jeroboam had returned, they sent and called him to the assembly, made him king over all Israel. There was none that followed the house of David, but the tribe of Judah only. When Rehoboam came to Jerusalem, he assembled all the house of Judah and the tribe of Benjamin, 180,000 chosen warriors, to fight against the house of Israel and restore the kingdom to Rehoboam, the son of Solomon. But the word of God came to Shemaiah, the man of God. Say to Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, king of Judah, and all the house of Judah and Benjamin. See, that's where Judah and Benjamin are linked together right there, those two tribes, and the rest of the people. Thus says the Lord, you shall not go up or fight against your relatives, the people of Israel. Every man return to his home, for this thing is from me. So they listened to the word of the Lord and went home again according to the word of the Lord. This is very interesting. This is like you have a split, a huge split where a larger nation and a smaller nation separate, and there isn't a civil war which is amazing because the word of a prophet is listened to here. And so this is verse 24 where it says they listen to the word of the Lord. This is an amazing event that when they're gearing up for battle, God says to them through a prophet, no, don't do it. And they listen and they go home. And so they're really spared civil war at the beginning of the separation here. They will have battle. They will have kind of war between these two nations, but they don't have civil war right when the split happens, which is really a miracle. Verse 25, then Jeroboam sent built Shechem in the hill country of Ephraim and lived there, and he went out from there and built Penuel. So I'm wondering if this is a different Shechem than the one Rehoboam was at. Maybe he wanted his own Shechem so that, you know, kings get anointed at Shechem, so he built his own Shechem. I don't know. I'm unclear if this is the original Shechem that Rehoboam was at, and now it's built up into a city, or if he's building his own Shechem, because this is considered like a, a place where stuff happens for kings. And he went out from there and built Penuel. And Jeroboam said in his heart, Now the kingdom will turn back to the house of David. If this people go up to offer sacrifices in the temple of the Lord at Jerusalem, then the heart of this people will turn again to their Lord, to Rehoboam the king of Judah, and they will kill me and return to Rehoboam the king of Judah. So this is a bad thought because Jeroboam has been established according to the word of the Lord, so he shouldn't be in fear here of being killed while the people go back. This is a very, like, seeing things according to the flesh and not according to the spirit moment for him. Um, he was, God had just prophesied that he would be set up as king over the ten nations. And when it happened, he should have maintained his faith and tried to live faithful to the Lord like David had. But in this moment, he turns to human fear and wants to create his own false religion as a way of building up his government. Verse 28, so the king took counsel and made two calves of gold, and he said to the people, you've gone up to Jerusalem long enough. Behold your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And he set one in Bethel, and he put one in Dan. Now that moment is really supposed to sound like the Exodus, when the crowds turn away from Moses, and uh, they f kind of invite, slash force, slash uh, tempt 
Aaron into making the golden calf and then they when the golden calf is made they say behold your gods who brought you out of the land of Egypt this is meant to sound just like that so this is just a reacting here or acting out again of the great apostasy of under Moses and now this is a great apostasy under Jeroboam and he sets up these two golden half calves so it's twice as bad verse 30 then this thing became a sin for the people went as far as Dan to be before one and he made temples on high places and appointed priests from all the people and not who are not the Levites. So God said only Levites should be priests. And so he's making just his own priesthood. And Jeroboam appointed feasts on the 15th of the eight, day of the eight month, like the feast that was in Judah. And he offered sacrifices on the altar. So he did in Bethel, sacrificing to the calves he'd made. And he placed in Bethel the priests of the high places that he made. And he went up to the altar that he made in Bethel on the 15th day of the eight month, in the month that he had devised from his own heart. And he instituted a feast for the people of Israel and went to the up to the altar to make offerings. So this is a, a horrible day, and it really is the foundation of the northern kingdom, this apostasy. That when God fulfills his word to Jeroboam to make him king, Jeroboam attempts to use religion to manipulate the people so that they wouldn't know the Lord. He doesn't want them to go back to the temple and worship the God that had just made him king, right? You think about it, like the God of the temple just made him king, and so he doesn't want the people to go there because he's afraid of their true worship and that they'll rebel against him. And so he creates this false religion with these two golden calves that, um, and then he even makes his own worship day from his own heart. It says he divines it from his own heart, so he sets up a false cult, a false worship to replace the true worship of the Lord at the temple as a way of uh, building up his own political power. And the northern kingdom will never actually get free of false worship that Jeroboam starts. And so later on, you'll often hear like that the king continued in the sin of Jeroboam. And that's what it is. It's this false religion that falsely worships Yahweh, but with these golden calves as idols. And so um, this is a, a bad start for the northern kingdom and they will never really get free from it. But So we have this really crazy story of taxation leading to separation. You have a separation without bloodshed, without major bloodshed, just that one taskmaster died. Um, and then you have this kind of return to Egypt idolatry that, that Jeroboam sets up, which is like a real drag and a drain on the people of God for its entire history. So hey, there you go, we just survived the separation of united Israel into the northern kingdom um, and the southern kingdom, which is Judah and Bethlehem, ruled over by Rehoboam. And you also see the, the fulfillment of the prophetic word of Ahijah, which is going to keep building and adding to the weight of us saying, hey, God is ruling over the history of the kings through the prophets, and we're going to keep meeting prophets who are greater than the kings. And the kings are sometimes going to submit to the prophets like they did uh, in this chapter by not going to war in Judah. That's actually a good sign, you know, that Rehoboam maybe humbled himself a little bit. Or at least the people of Judah were willing to hear the word of the Lord and obey it in the moment. It's a good sign. But uh, you're going to see this wrestling of prophets and kings together as God tries to work out this main theme of the story. Is how is God going to be faithful to the promise to David? in the midst of kings being unfaithful to their obligations to the Lord. So that is chapter 12 of the book of 1 Kings. <laughs>